Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today let the word go forth fool me once are you fired up i'm not a crook are you ready to go shame on shame on you it's abe lincoln's top hat hosted by ben kissel boom you can't get fooled again here we go all right welcome to the show everyone i am ben kissel as always joined by marcus parks marcus you know what we got today why Twofer. It's a twofer. We got two guests here on Abe Lincoln's Top Hat. Uh, we'll be joined by a, a volunteer for Rand Paul, Naomi West, and our great friend from such hit films as <laughs> Scrooged and Dave, our good friend Jeffrey Joseph, will be uh, joining us for the second uh, half of the hour today on Abe Lincoln's Top Hat. So right now, let's welcome Naomi. Yeah. Two for Tuesday. Two for Tuesday. That's right. This is we're really becoming professional radio guys. By that I mean obnoxious. All right. So this is what I figured out. Now we don't endorse candidates on this show, Marcus. We don't. We do not. We do not endorse a candidate. But I happened to find out some information about Mr. Rand Paul that I thought was fascinating, and I thought our listeners would want to hear about it. Turns out he's a massive fan. <laughs> okay. A massive well, fan well, of mean... Cave Comedy Radio, specifically Abling and Top at Last Podcast on the left, and he's dabbled in the round table of gentlemen. He's dabbled. He's dabbled in uh-huh. it as well. So I don't usually endorse a candidate, but I will say how wonderful would it be to have a president who's a fan of Cave Comedy Radio in the White House. We could stay in the Lincoln bedroom. We could. He'll, he'll invite us over. Naomi, can we stay in the Lincoln bedroom? I cannot confirm or deny that at this time. That's not a confirm or deny, which in the government speak is a yes. That is perfect. So, Naomi, obviously, we, were, we had a great conversation the other night. We were hanging out. And just talking about the uh, ins and outs of running a campaign. And so go through a little bit about what Rand Paul is doing right now to, uh, to up his exposure and to get out of the single digits when it comes to the approval ratings. What are you guys doing as a, uh, as a campaign? Currently in New Hampshire, his um, goal is to visit every single town in the state. And it's a very small state, so that yeah. goes by very quickly. Um, and he's very well received in New Hampshire, is that right? He didn't used to be, but his name is getting more and more more and more out there. Um, I think our campaign office is definitely one of the more active yeah. of the different states. So his approval rating has gone up quite a bit. It mm-hmm. was a uh, before it's a very democratic state where we are, and um, it's slowly turning over to being a very libertarian state. Right. So he's gained a lot of favor there in the past couple of months. And so he's seen that libertarian brand expand um, farther than his father was able to make it expand. Yes, actually, he just won the straw poll that was taken um, last night at the RNC okay. from Friday. So he just won that um, as being the top Republican candidate. And so this is sort of his good first news, a uh, bit of first news in quite a while. Yeah, I, I mean, he's so. been sort of drowned out in the debates right uh, up to this point, because as we were talking about, you think his major problem in the debates is that he's too good of a guy. Yeah, I think he could, you know, he could speak up a little bit more and right. definitely be a little bit more aggressive during those debates. 
Now, what do you think about this kind of split that you're seeing in the Republican Party right now? Like you say that oh, that Rand it. Paul is, you know, he you know won the straw poll at the RNC, but with voters, voters are Republican voters are tending to go more towards the crazy side. Yeah, well, you always have that very conservative, and then you have that traditional what they call classical liberal type of uh, Republicans, libertarians, if you will. Right. So the divide is about. I see 50-50 now. Mm-hmm. You see, we're seeing a lot more libertarians becoming Republicans trying to change the party back to the way that it was. Not this crazy, but Rand definitely uh, appeals to the conservative vote with his um, anti-abortion Right, stances. he went very crazy with the defund Planned Parenthood thing. I, um, and of course, his pro-gun stance are very, very powerful, positive positions for people on the far right. Of course. So... When you do your robocalls, this is what I found so interesting. <laughs> if it's not Rand Paul that people of New Hampshire are voting for, who would it be? I've heard <laughs> a is it? lot of Trump supporters. A lot of Trump supporters. <laughs> so, Marcus, I take personal offense to, to oh, the Republicans going to the crazy side. Oh. Donald Trump, uh-huh. the numbers just came in for uh, the, uh, the, the financial numbers for money raised during the first quarter of, this, uh, of the primary cycle. Hillary Clinton's at $28 million. Bernie Sanders, $26 million. The list goes on from there. Uh, going all the way down to the bottom, Mr. Donald Trump, only $2 million bucks, has barely yeah. spent a dime. We've talked about this, Ben. It's brand new information. <laughs> I do have to apologize so, live on here here with Ben Kissel that I apologize when I told you that Trump didn't have a chance. Mm-hmm. I am now eating my words and I look like it just totally wrong. Oh, you're going to become a you're going to be on my 600 pound life. Everyone's <laughs> going to be eating their words. It's crazy. But what is Rand doing to uh, to counteract that Trump support that I made fun of Benjamin Netanyahu on Red Eye and I made fun of Donald Trump on Red Eye. And those were the only two times Red Eye on Fox News. The only two times I got any hate tweets. Mm-hmm. People go crazy for Trump. Donald uh, Trump's tax plan is very progressive. His tax plan, I really enjoy it. A lot of Wall Street do not. And some experts say it's going to cost us $12 trillion. But let's not talk about that right now. I think you should shoot at the tax plan. Well, this is what Rand Paul did to prepare for the last debates. He took out, what was it, an AR-15? Something like that. The gun that's used in the majority of massacres, which is one area where the Republicans are sort of out of touch. And let's get into the gun situation because I know you're super into it. Being uh, Being from New Hampshire, a massive gun state, but very low gun violence. Again, I mean, the neighbors are about six miles apart, so... You need a sniper rifle just to, you know, shoot the person you hate the most. But um, when he shot the tax code, went into the debate, uh, do you think it has a negative uh, impact on his campaign at all with all the gun violence in this country? And then they see Ted Cruz's of the world eating bacon off of a gun. They see Rand Paul shooting up the tax code. Do you think there's a double uh, uh, it's a double edged sword? Some people love it. But then at the same time, the imagery might turn some people off. I think you're always going to have people who are very devout in their belief of being anti this or pro that. So there's people who definitely will see it as being like, yeah, I can support somebody just shooting guns at things and stuff. Right. And then you have people who are like, I absolutely can't, I can't stand guns and so I won't vote for them. Mm-hmm. But I think there's many other reasons why they're probably not going to vote for them. I, I think guns is probably the least of those numbers. Is, of- is it fair to say that we no longer have to pay taxes because Rand Paul killed it? <laughs> is that how you get rid of taxes? You just shoot I at it? I'm going to sure. drown. I'll waterboard it. <laughs> if I ever run for office, I'm going to start waterboarding the tax code. And don't even d- get me started on the education problems. It's very Dick Cheney. Of you. Thank you so much. Yes. You'll be a great congressman one day. Mm, I can't wait. So uh, 
so Rand Paul, but he's just doubling down on it, and he feels like it's a winner for him. I think he's won New Hampshire, personally. You I do. think he's switched it over from being a, a Democratic Bernie state to definitely a Rand state. What is his strategy to get, I mean, is he just going for the, is he just doing this uh, almost a symbolic run, or is he really going for, does he have a 50-state plan? Well, obviously, there's every candidate knows there's states they absolutely can't win. He has right. no chance in New York. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't say that personally as being... I'm just sure that's probably true. Right. Um, it, it's a heavily, it's a Hillary state, of course. So there's states that you know you just can't win, so you're not going to devote your time there. Like, why would you? But in a Republican primary, I mean, I'm not sure what the numbers are here in New York State. I mean, I suppose it's possible. It, it's it's very possible. It's pretty unlikely. Right. Um, but there's definitely states you just don't go after. It doesn't make any sense. The waste of your time and your campaign money, and of course his campaign money isn't 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 not a whole lot. He's only raised about two million mm-hmm. in this past quarter. So right, um, compared to like Bernie Sanders, who's got twenty five million. Right, he's got money to burn. He can travel to fifty states. Whereas Rand's being very selective with the money that he's getting because he's not taking money from places he probably shouldn't be taking right and you know new hampshire is an important primary state to some degree uh for the libertarian party specifically because that is like you were saying earlier they have a strong foothold in that community the vermont new hampshire the free um, state project yeah you know they the libertarian point of view and uh political ideals really resonate with those populations so i watched a great documentary called caucus and it was all about the 2011 uh campaign uh, in the Republican primary, it is hilarious. You get to see Michelle Bachman with Marcus Bachman, and he is he is having a good time. We talked about it a little bit. <laughs> you have to watch the documentary. But Rick Santorum's uh, plan was to get into his little you know, uh, red Chevy or whatever pickup truck it was and go from state, county to county to county, to town to town to town. And he ended up getting a, a, a victory in the Iowa primary solely because he just did classic local campaigning. You know, handshaking, they say door knocking and handshaking doesn't really do that much. I think it does a lot. Yeah. So people really, especially in New Hampshire's loaded with old people. Oh my goodness. So many old people. Oh, loneliness. Yeah. So yeah. You go to a diner at 5 a.m. and they're eating eggs and you shake their hand, they'll vote for you. Right. For sure. So Rand still believes in that in that personal politics. Yeah. And he, that's he tries what, to stop. He tries to be a bit nice to, from what I've seen, he's very personable with people. Yeah. He doesn't rush. I mean, d- but does personal politics truly, I mean, as far as primaries go, like, yes, that, that's a definite good, that's a good thing. But as far as a national election goes in the age of Facebook where Bernie Sanders, uh, I mean, Hillary Clinton's terrible at it, but Bernie mm. Sanders is amazing at social media, Facebook and Twitter. Will that, do you think that personal politics will translate over? Defend, it, it really depends on what your goal is. Mm-hmm. Um, Bernie Sanders, I don't think personally, in my personal opinion, is going after politics because he actually wants to make a change in anything. He's going after politics because it's a great namesake for his career, I think. he's He's got, his plans are not really his own. They're You're plans not borrowing feeling... from other people. So. Yeah. Rand is actually, he's a senator. He stands, he's, he stands and he, in, he's in, he's in, the Senate seat forever, just talking and talking and talking and talking, you know, right. trying to get stuff done. I mean, he actually cares about what he's talking about. So that's the difference between him and some other candidates where I don't know if their whole heart is in it. Right. They're not doing it for the right reasons. Well, you know, the thing with him being a senator, has he felt this is a bizarre cycle that we're not going to see yeah. in for the, uh, another 30 years? This idea of the non-politician politician running for the presidency, which is the most political position that exists uh, in the country, obviously. Does he feel like being a senator has actually sort of hurt him in this cycle? No. Um, 
I've actually heard he actually wants to continue being a senator while he's president. I think there's probably some loopholes there where I'm not sure. He wants to be a senator? I don't know if that's actually what he wants. I've heard that's what he wants to do, but I don't know for sure. His plan is to be, so he's currently the senator of Kentucky. Mm -hmm. And he he wants to be the president of the United States and the senator of Kentucky. I'm not 100% sure, but I've heard that that's At the same time? I think so. I don't huh. think you can do that. It seems odd. <laughs> I don't think anybody's tried. <laughs> yeah, that's that. I don't think anybody's tried. Yeah, that's pulling double also, duty there. Yeah. Who's going to argue about that in Kentucky? Who's yeah, right. Do, do it. No whatever. They don't care. Yeah, that is an interesting. Well, who knows? He, Rand Paul could do it. But I'll get back to you on that. If I yeah, sure. let let me know for sure. That's it. So, what do you think um, as far as? Obviously, the uh, the gun debate is is close to his heart. It's close to the campaign. Uh, we just had the mass shooter. Uh, we talked about it uh, entirely uh, on last week's episode. Really got into depth, so we all know about that story. What is his? Is he at all concerned? Is he towing the line, or is he going to? And your thoughts as well on the gun problem in this country. What is his solution to solve it? Bernie just gave a speech, and uh, he told he has to tow around the issue mm-hmm. because Bernie has a very, very pro-gun voting record. And to your point about the uh, authenticity of Bernie Sanders, he does exactly what his state wants him to do. It's not as if he was so against the tides, and uh, you know, for for Vermont. His politics seem absolutely crazy for Louisiana, but in Vermont, he's relatively reasonable. So what do you think is a step? If Rand Paul gets asked the question in the next debate, how would you encourage him to answer the question properly without getting a bunch of hate? What's the question? The question about what are you going to do about gun violence in the country, which is going to be asked. I mean, this is a hot topic issue right now. I think Rand probably believes, like most other libertarians believe, in personal responsibility. So why blame the gun? You have to blame the person. And there's right. a lot of other contributing issues to it that you can't just say... A president doesn't have power. He can't just sign something and stop gun violence. He can't. He doesn't have the power to do that. So it's a long process. You have to go through many different things. It starts with its families, homes, right. lots of other things. The, the president can't just sign a piece of paper and make something go away. Well, if it, so maybe ask, not to go away, but yeah. you know, maybe like a little tiny hurdle. Here and there, just like one extra step that well, sure. maybe if that person doesn't get that, then maybe they'll give up. Also, Americans are idiots. That's very true. They are. <laughs> Some are. Like they that's are a, I mean, I think a lot of, you know, that, uh. that's that's my biggest problem with the, the personal responsibility thing is that, like, a lot of them just don't have the capacity to not get the gun and to not shoot. I, I think that's, the, that's a big thing is that... You can put some faith in the American public, yeah. but some people, it's just they're going to get it, and if they get it, then they well, just don't have the personal intelligence to not use it. I mean, in a country where there are so many guns, the fact that there isn't more gun violence is almost remarkable. <laughs> so does, I do think that the majority of the population, like we talked about on last week's episode, it's like a stalemate, mutually assured destruction happening in each house in each suburb where the one guy who's rational with the gun is like, I can't lose my gun because my neighbor is crazy, and that neighbor thinks the exact same thing about him or her. So uh, so what do you think about it? Um, well, I think the statistics are usually pretty wrong. I mean, 71% of statistics are made up on the spot. Yeah, of course. So most of the gun-related deaths are suicides. So when you actually consider that statistic number, when you talk about gun deaths... 87,000, I think, to this point. And we have this big thing about mental health, and I think that it really does 
it doesn't hurt to look there. It's not the solution. It's not, oh, we change the mental health problem, that will fix it. Or we take away guns and that will fix it. Mm -hmm. It's a combination of lots of things. We're a young country. We have a melting pot. It's very hard for us as a country. We've got borders on both sides. Mm -hmm. We've got Mexico. We've got South America. So we've got a lot of different contributing factors that other countries don't have. So when they compare stuff to, say, Australia, where they ban guns, right. it's not a fair... It's an island. It's not the same as our country that we have here. Right. And of well, course, it's only 23 million people, much more homogenous than the United States. Yeah. And they all did, in, what was it, 1993, together. after the, uh, the mass shooting there at a cafe... It was a strange situation where the entire country got together and agreed on something. Yeah. But there are a lot of uh, more local yokel Australians who I guarantee you are not very thrilled about not having a gun. Oh, no, no, no. Big Bradley out there yeah. in uh, the middle of Australia. But speaking of the, to the suicides, I mean, one could argue that the reason why there are so many gun suicides is because it's the easiest way to do it. If you have to tie the rope and get up on the chair and put the rope over the ceiling, you have a little bit more time to think about it rather than just... Boom. That's probably that's probably very true, but I think that if I'm a, a very pro component of suicide, I don't think it's necessarily a, a bad thing. So um, make it instantaneous and painless. That it doesn't bother me. Personal responsibility again. If you want to take your own life, I'm not a person that can say that you can or cannot. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's necessarily always a bad thing. You know, it could always. Who knows? You know what I mean? There's so many components in when you talk about gun violence that. It's really hard to pinpoint it to one problem and say that's the problem. We need to ban that. You know, so I hate slap. I like I hate slap knee jerk reactions right. to we have to ban it because that, that will fix it. So oh like, no, of course not. No, yeah. we're not. We're not talking ban. I mean, as we've said before, well, as far impossible. as guns go, like the yeah. the cows out the barn. Like it's yes. there's there's too many out there. They're not coming back. But you know, this is where the Republicans are failing on the issue, right? Because the Democrats they can just regurgitate the talking points, especially Hillary Clinton. Bernie has to, t like I said. Uh, Earlier, again, he has to sort of toe the line because his record, if he says, you know, close the gun show loophole, his record would have, uh, show the multiple votes that he had not to close the gun show loophole. I mean, the hell, the guy voted against the Brady Bill, yeah. the man who protected the, the president of the United States. And I was thinking about this earlier. When Ronald Reagan got shot, the Brady Bill took about 10 years to pass. So... Even if the president of the United States was shot with a gun and we still couldn't get any legislation passed. It was a different passed. time, man. Yeah. Good luck. Time. Good luck, you know. But this is, I agree, you know, you also have to, with, I agree with the idea that it is not about banning all guns because it is a physical impossibility. Closing the loophole. Okay, so let's just say you do close the gun show loophole. They go through the exact same uh, test that you have to go through when you go to a gun shop and buy these gun shops, they give you a piece of paper and they ask you if you're crazy and it's like, yes or no. <laughs> if you want a gun, I mean, yeah. you would truly have to be, if you would have to be crazy to say yes. Yeah. But even in New you, Hampshire, you can walk into a gun store and walk out less than 10 minutes later with a weapon as long as you don't haven't committed a felony. Right. Or, um, and they, uh, uh, any private gun seller or a gun seller for a retail gun in New Hampshire is allowed to refuse to sell you a gun if they want to. They don't have to. So but. do you think that when you talk about personal responsibility, that is a good point. These are individual businesses that are allowed to deny service whenever they choose to, unless they have, you know, unless the person is gay and they want a gun for their wedding. <laughs> they they got to give it to them. 
But uh, why why don't we put a little bit more onus on the gun owner or on the gun shop dealer? You know, like look at the person who's in your store. Forget about making the small profit that you'll make off the gun. Think about the greater good. Maybe that would be a good place to start. Put some pressure on the people who are selling the product. I mean, we 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 arrest uh, drug dealers. You know, the people who uh, sold. Um, yeah, I don't necessarily agree Hoffman. with that either. So. Well, no, but <laughs> the people who sold Philip Seymour Hoffman all that heroin before. He died. They got arrested. Yeah, but and they, the, they they were charged with uh, you know some sort of a, uh, manslaughter charges. Mm-hmm. You know, I watched a great documentary called Gunfight, and they went to the you know the guy he was the it was the he was shot four times by the man who shot up Virginia Tech, Sung Cho. Yeah, and uh, so he would go to all the gun shows, and they looked at all the products that they have, and they have military grade equipment that can shoot up to like a mile and a half in the sky, and it would take down a plane or put a hole in a plane that uh, anyway, and possibly sink the whole or you know um, crash the whole damn thing. So it's very interesting to live. You know, we talk about Canadian geese. You know, over at, at JFK and LaGuardia, getting into the uh, you know the plane engines, and we what did we do to the geese? We just murdered them all. Gassed them. We gassed them. <laughs> I mean, straight out of that animal farm. You know, a, a pig rolled in and let him know it was time to go. So the question is, what, you know, what's it going to take? Will it take somebody shooting down a plane before we go in and actually try to, uh, to round up those large guns that are, that are never going to be used for hunting? You know, it's like you don't use a gun that can shoot a mile and a half that you have to, like, lay on. I mean, these things are huge. Yeah, like a 50 cal yeah. machine gun. Well, people don't need rally cars either, but... Want and need is a two different entire words. People right. don't necessarily need. Nobody's arguing that you like need a Viper. Nobody's arguing that you need a an M sixteen. Nobody's arguing you need it. Some people might. Um, want is an entirely different thing. I mean, I I totally support if somebody wants to do target shooting or whatever. I mean, if somebody wants to buy a rally car and spend all that money on car parts, who am I to say? Well, you're not a professional stunt driver. You shouldn't be able to buy that car. You know, and, and put money into that car. It just it just doesn't make much sense to me. So Yeah. Well, it's tough to drive a rally car into a classroom and mow over a bunch of students. <laughs> that's how Paul Walker died. Be sensitive. Oh, my. That's very true. I'm sorry. Rest in peace, Paul Walker. Great guy. <laughs> I loved him. I had no idea. How, you never know how many people love these celebrities until they go away. And then there was like four days where it was like Paul Walker was yeah. everybody's best friend all Why the time. Why are you? Yeah, he was in a, some car racing movie. I mean, I'm yeah, sad he's gone. It's very, yeah. it's very Vin tragic. Di- but, Vin but, Diesel gained like 10 pounds and people freaked out about it. So. Yeah, yeah, I love Vin Diesel. I love his new body. Yeah, yeah, much, but that, much but that more is, relatable. But I mean, but I guess that is another question: is that the the difference between want versus need is like is somebody's want for an AR fifteen is that worth more? Like, can you equate that? Can you say that that's worth more than say Sandy Hook? That say if Adam Lanza wouldn't have had an AR fifteen, well, he wouldn't have well, got. You know, wouldn't have got twenty seven. Is, it, that is day. it worth giving everybody pain medication? Because, like, don't give it to people because some people abuse it. Are you going right. to say you shouldn't? We should just go do away with morphine because then people abuse it and become heroin addicts and become morphine addicts. All right. I get your point there. So, I mean, want versus need. I don't necessarily think that. Again, that should be illegal anyway. Mm-hmm. But that's just me. Yeah. So, where is what's Rand's next? Uh, uh, step, You know, obviously these campaigns, they roll out policy about like every month, except for Donald Trump. He just pl- flies by the seat of his hair. <laughs> and uh, it's amazing. What's his next step? What what policy does he want to introduce? What's something that he wants to do now? I believe he can get into the next debate, but he's got to get his numbers up. Otherwise, they're going to start, you know, cutting out some of the people who aren't doing as well. 
what does he want to introduce that he thinks is going to uh, push him over the edge and get some attention? Um, because I shooting mean, the think, tax code didn't do it. I think he's a little bit over the Planned Parenthood thing. He Obviously, right. I don't think a lot of people know that he actually voted against the bill that would stop Planned Parenthood because it would raise taxes and raise the deficit. So he voted huh. against the thing that he wanted because he didn't want to raise the deficit. So, so he voted against the bill that we that would defend or uh, defund Planned Parenthood. Yes, he voted against it. But he was so okay. So he vo- so why did he spend so much political capital on you know chanting to defend plan, uh, defund Planned Parenthood? Yeah. Bills are is he, bills are not like what Americans think that they are. They're right. They 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 they're just very complicated. There's many layers to them. So when there's one thing in a bill you don't like, right. You have to vote against everything else. You know what I mean? Like, if you don't want this one thing that stands out to you, bills aren't just black and white. Where it's like it's about this one issue and that mm. issue only. They usually That's what they, they call put, the, yeah, yeah. They usually put like fifty issues in the, in one bill. They're like three hundred goddamn pages long. So, yeah. um, you sometimes have to vote against something that you don't want to support, or you sometimes have to vote for something you don't want to support to get one other thing in that one bill. Pass through. And is it true that he says no when he votes no on a bill? He just shoots it. (laughs) Is that right? I can say that he's the only person I know that reads actually reads them. Right. Which I mean, if you read these bills, I think you would have to vote no on pretty much all of them. That is one of the reasons that we have so much gridlock. That's what they call the pork. You know, it's these people shove in every single thing that they want for their districts. A playground. Uh, some things that are needed, some things that are just totally, you know, a favor, a favor. Yeah. yeah. Some wealthy dude's wife wanted a new, you know, manicure place. So they, you know, made some zoning law to allow, uh, you know, that to occur. Mm-hmm. So, so as far as Rand Paul voting no on the bill that he originally supported, I guess. So fiscal issues are more important to him than social issues. I think his next one, Ben talked about what's his next issue. I think lowering that deficit is definitely one right. thing he really wants to focus on. It's very important. How does he convey that to the American people? People because that is something like, you know, what are we now? $19 trillion in debt. Ben, look at me. And the Fed. And the Fed. When people hear Ron Paul the Fed. 2012. 2012? Oh my God. 2012. I heard a bunch of nerds yelling at each other about the Fed on the train the other day. I went to the next car over, man. I couldn't fucking handle well, it. Well, you know, but when, when people hear and the Fed, I love the idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Federal Reserve, Rand. owned by the six major banks, most people think it's part of the government. Mm-hmm. They don't even understand that it's an individual enterprise, It's it's a, um, which is pretty insane yeah. in a lot of ways. So when you say end the Fed, which I I love the idea, audit, how would you do audit it? The Fed. Audit the Fed? How do you? How would you do that? I mean, how are, how how would one president, one person, you don't you don't have that much power? How are you going to go and completely realign uh, all by, the people who create the money by making people read bills before they sign them, and that lowers overall tax money being spent. It seems like that'll have to be done at gunpoint. <laughs> <laughs> if it has to be done, right? No. Just kidding. Don't point guns at people, kids. So that's his. So, but that is going to be the next one. Just the uh, reduction of the debt. Yeah, I think that's the next big hike for him, and it's it's a really hard one because you know, those Democrats love to spend money. Right. They love to spend money that we don't have. Well, Democrats are hubba hubba hubba. 1989's Joker throwing candy to the crowd, throwing dollar bills to the crowd, and oh. eventually gases them like the Canadian geese we <laughs> talked about over there outside of JFK. Or so are the Republicans, but it's more the, towards the uh, the so military industrial complex and the prison industrial complex, and also more towards the social heartstrings, abortion. 
you know, gay marriage. Yeah. Like they, 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 the um, they monetize political capital when it comes to those social issues a yeah. lot better than the Democrats do. The Democrats promise you free health care, even though nothing's free. Minimum wage hike, even though that's gonna, huh. you know, probably backfire horribly. Like Rand, I I also believe that most things should be a state level issue. Right, the, the government shouldn't be as big as it is. It should be most things should be state level issues. It's a very it's a very much easier to control something on a state level because you get the voice of the people a lot more than a federal level. How is he going to articulate this? How is he going to say? How do you first? I mean. It's so bizarre to me. I didn't even realize that he voted against the bill that would defund Planned Parenthood after he made such a big deal out of it. Nobody even cares how you vote at that point. No. Nobody knows that he voted against that bill. It's about the so rhetoric. Now, it's not about the actual – it's not about the but results. That, but that should show you how straight shooting that I guess he probably is, is that he would actually vote against something he really wanted because like, there's a bigger issue that he right. wanted, which wasn't was to, to not raise the deficit. I right. Mean, the so question is how to you... him, it was like, it was worth that loss for a bigger victory. You know what I mean? So he's not going to vote in something because he's like, I hate this thing, so I'm just going to vote for it. He saw the bigger issue. So he actually right. cares about the bigger issue, which is not making Americans more in debt. Right. So... But then you have the people who are just like on the backs of all the dead babies. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, so it's really a tough position that he puts himself in when he comes out and is so vocal about a cause... And then votes against it. His cause people get confused. His cause wasn't. He's not. I don't think he's necessarily anti-abortion in the classical sense that you probably think it is. He just doesn't like where the tax money is going. They make a. Right. They have a billion dollar spending budget. So think. Divide that into fifty states. How much is that? I mean, I have no idea. Yeah, we're the radio answer guys. Is no, <laughs> so that's too much. Wrong answer. question. The answer is no. So yes. problem, not less again. His problem is. I think his issue more isn't dealing with the. Uh, moral lessons of killing unborn fetuses. It's right. more about the tax money. I don't think he really necessarily cares about the other stuff that you do see conservatives talk about. Right. So to him... He's not going to a rally, in other words. Yeah, but so you know, to him, yeah. actually supporting that bill to lower the deficit actually kind of helps him in that other issue, too. So right. in the long run, it all kind of works out. That's all very complicated. Do you think he can... Do you think he can convey that to the American public? Where well, as we said earlier, Americans are stupid, so maybe not. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, you have to have an understanding of his political philosophy to even begin to um, right. understand why how he's voting and for the reasons that he is voting. Mm -hmm. So it's like you got thirty seconds, sometimes even less than that uh, than that, to talk in these debates to uh, for your sound bites. It's a difficult thing because as soon as the question comes up. You were for defunding Planned Parenthood, and then you voted against the bill that you were for. Explain yourself. Well, it's about the taxation code, and yeah. I'm thinking about the, the bills that were in there. I read the whole bill, and everyone's just like, and all they hear is like, oh, he's for. He, yeah, he has no, they actually see that as having no backbone. Yeah, but why should everything be limited to like a talking point? Well, that's like, just the world Americans that we live in. Like why are attention spans so small that they can't sit there and listen to something that actually makes sense? Oh, I people think... aren't even reading full memes anymore. <laughs> I pe well, I read the top of the meme, but I got bored with it. I'm not even reading the bottom. Yeah. I can't bother with it. I, we're past the why. Like, right. Why, it's the, just the is why. what it is. You yeah. make a really valid point there, Marcus. Yeah. It, there, there's no more why. It's, I weep it's for just... our future. Oh, Yo, yeah. <laughs> no, that's what I keep saying. Let it, it burn it down. Burn oh it my down. God. Stop <laughs> saying burn it down. <laughs> no, it's okay. Well, maybe not burn it down. Let it burn down. Uh -huh. And then from the ashes, we can rebuild anew. Four different countries the way it's oh meant my. to be. Maybe seven. I'm you want to break up the United States <laughs> like they did to the USSR. <laughs> and they're God. doing great.
They're doing horrible. <laughs> if I talk about dividing Texas into different things, are you going to jump across this table and choke me like every other Texan I've talked Fuck to? no, dude. Texas should be four states. Absolutely. Yeah. High five mark. Texas is too fucking uh, big. Too big. Yes, that is very true. I love Texas very much, but it should be four different California states. California, too. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. California. Easily yeah, we should just states. do it like Afghanistan. Everyone should have their own <laughs> tribe. No centralized government whatsoever. That's we can just go to war every so time. fucked up because there's, you've got these. We're going to loot yeah. the Piggly Wiggly. <laughs> We're going to go loot it from the parks tribe. I think they're more angry because America went in and slaughtered millions of their people. I think they're more angry about that. Oh, maybe. talking more about British imperialism going oh, back I and think, divide. Oh, but that was the but Brits and the Spanish <laughs> did so much more than the but Americans. The, but the British did it on purpose because yeah. how do you keep a country from rebelling against you and keep the empire together? You make sure they spend all their time fighting each other. But mm. it wasn't a good plan. That plan no. totally backfired on him. Thank you so much for coming in, Naomi. That was great. Um, and, and best of luck to Rand Paul. I mean, you know, this is the one problem with libertarianism. It is just difficult to express in a soundbite because it is a complex well, uh, philosophy and they don't promise anybody anything. Yeah. You even know, the as, idea. Even as a libertarian, I'm not 100% on board with Rand Paul. So there's some things I obviously disagree with. Yeah. Right. And, but honestly, now that I hear that the Planned Parenthood, his fight was more about fiscal reasons, even though I yeah. still don't agree with him on that. The fact that it, it, the fight was more about fiscal reasons rather than stupid, horrible, awful social oh, the s- things that are tearing the country apart and actually physical that are actually harming stupidest us. Subjective. Yes, the stupidest objective. Now that I found out it's something mm-hmm. different, I'm like, okay, I'll I'll give them a little bit more of a chance, a little bit more of a, a listen. That's a baby in heaven <laughs> crying because of your stance, Marcus. Why? Why it's in heaven? Maybe oh, okay. read. <laughs> <laughs> it's a baby in hell. <laughs> Okay, that's better. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, thank you so much. And we got to, you know, uh, go back and uh, for the listeners, do some research on Rand Paul. Make up your own ideas, uh, opinions about him. And uh, remember, again, he listens to Cave Comedy Radio. He's a large fan of Abe Lincoln's Top Hat. Last podcast on the left. Dabbles in Round Table of Gentlemen. Dabbles in Round Table of Gentlemen. Hi, Rand. I Rand. don't know where you're hearing all of this. <laughs> from sense. you. do so from me. <laughs> Don't lie to the, don't lie to the listeners. <laughs> Can you get Rand on the show soon? Can we please get Rand on the He'll, show? It'll be a call in. Uh, do you want to hear him talk about the tax code? Yes, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, we'll hear him talk about anything. Uh, they're yeah. not going to be snippets. No, no, oh, no, no. Of course, of course. No, I don't know if I have the power to do that for you, but he try. called you when I was hanging out with you. Uh. <laughs> All right, everyone. Try, try it out. Try just just try it on for time. He can talk about anything. This he can, is, yeah. if, does he want to talk about his favorite dessert? <laughs> I will listen to him. I hear he really likes poutine. There you go. Oh, he's a Canadian. Oh, an American. I don't even know what poutine is. It's a Canadian thing. It's French fries and gravy. You'd love it. Oh, okay. Yeah, you would actually love it. Yeah, it sounds it sounds incredible. It's very Wisconsin. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. You're All right, everyone. Welcome to the show here. This is the second part of this episode. We're joined by guest uh, Jeffrey Joseph. Thanks for being here, Jeffrey. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm looking at your IMDb. Oh, man, why? He was in a sh- movie called Scrooge. Oh, man. Somebody, you know what? You know, let's, yeah. Uh, the, the, people, the people can Google this. Roxanne. They, they can Google this. A hit film called Dave. Yes. What I, were you in the movie Dave? I was uh I was the uh Ellen's assistant. She was Dave's wife, but not really Dave's wife, but the president's wife. But you see, spoiler alert, the president's really in a coma and Dave <laughs> he pretends to be the president. But Ellen, she figures out, wait a minute, this guy's way too nice to be my husband and his right. dick is really much bigger, but they don't do that in the movie. <laughs> uh-huh. And I played her aide. 
Oh, very good. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Hell of a roll. Thank you That's so much. That's exactly how they describe it on the IMDb mm. page. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. So Jeffrey Joseph, he's a very talented comedian. Very talented. Wonderful man. <laughs> mm-hmm. Always talking about something. And I just learned before the podcast, loves Ben Carson. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you Jeffrey love Joseph ben loves Ben Carson. He's ben. into saving babies and saving the country. Let me tell you, God put Ben Carson on this earth mm-hmm. to remind us all. Whenever we go to the doctor to, to get a second opinion, <laughs> no matter how many credentials they have, no matter what illustrious institutions they went to, you fucking ask for another mm-hmm. opinion because he could be crazy as Ben Carson. He's a neurosurgeon. He's a genius of a man. He that, is a, he that's is, what they say. He is the first black man to perform brain surgery on himself. That's very true. He's been lobo- he might have might have lobotomized himself, and but it's, it's ongoing. That's all right. A lot of people in the Republican Party were pulling, uh, pulling for Mr. Ben Carson. He got into a bit of trouble this uh, week because he hasn't exactly handled the questions of gun violence very well. Uh, he said the Holocaust could have been avoided if the Jews were armed. But then, of course, <laughs> uh, failed to remember that there wasn't an entire army that was also armed. Yeah, and maybe yeah. things would have been worse. Yeah. Who it was, knows? It wasn't even as much as armed. He was just like, if they would have pushed back, just if they would have wanted it. But he doesn't know right. history. This is a Warsaw ghetto uprising. Yeah. And if a black man should know about anything, he should know about ghetto uprisings. <laughs> he should know about that. I'm channeling Chris Rock. God, it's racist when you do a ben black voice, Carson even as a black man. Know about a ghetto uprising. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Did you, you hear, he said uh, Rupert Murdoch said that he'd be a real black president. Yes, he did. And then the next thing, you know, Ben Carson said he had a, a gun stuck into his ribs at Popeye's. Yes. That is real black president territory <laughs> right there. I That's agree. much blacker than anything Obama has ever done. I mean, Obama doesn't even have a purple tongue from eating grape drink. Nothing. <laughs> he just doesn't have that real blackness that the Ben Carson has. Yeah, and I like the idea of him eating grape drink, as if they were so poor that you also drank the grape drink, but then you had to freeze it for dinner also. Cut it with a knife and fork. That shit got real thick at the bottom. Yes. If you didn't shake it, that was like like, 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 saliva, like that snotty Mm -hmm. saliva, but it was purple. Right. And we had... uh, Naomi was on the last episode. We were talking uh, uh, earlier her, on this episode. Her name is not Naomi. I don't know how to say it right. Her name is not Naomi. I, I spoke to the girl for like 30 seconds. Yes. It's Nomi. Nomi? Yes, like the Japanese Nomi. Okay. Well, whatever. <laughs> I'm from Wisconsin. I get a pass on certain things. You can't even say bagel. I can say bagel. He can't because <laughs> he can't because of his family. That's why he can't say. He can never oh. go home again if he says bagel. Oh my! And what the, have you said, Ben? Uh-huh. To the people, the laughs keep on coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you know, there's a store, and it's a chain, and it's called Bergen Bagel. And yes. It's here in New York, and every time I see it, I think of Bergen Belson, yeah. but it's called Bergen Bagel. They should not be allowed to call a bagel place. There's no Auschwitz bagel. <laughs> That's very, very true. There wasn't exactly a lot of food there. Um, <laughs> they're taking it back. They're taking it back. That's why <laughs> they're reclaiming the word. But, of course, Ben Carson mentioned how if the Jewish folks were armed, then he, they could have uh, you know, avoided the atrocities that occurred. And But he was putting it in context of what he would have done if he was in the community college, sitting in the classroom, when that crazed gunman, this Mr. Mercer fella, went in there and shot everybody up. He said that he would have gone and charged the guy, and he wouldn't have just stood there and gotten shot in the head. Yeah, because we know how brave Ben is. You right. see, you see how bravely he fights racism. 
just well, now, get, gets it, out of fucking shoe polish and just starts shining a racist shoes. Yeah, I know. We should really clean <laughs> up our act. You know, if we got along a little better, maybe clean up our own house, we wouldn't have... <laughs> Bit of a double standard, though, don't you think? What's I mean, that? every time a black Republican runs, you know, your Alan uh, Alan Keyes, who is absolutely out of his mind, Alan West, who is, uh, you know, completely uh, two Allens, two Allens, <laughs> a lot of Allens, mm-hmm. you know, and then of course uh, Herman Cain, who, if you haven't yet, YouTube Herman Cain uh, singing "Imagine," but what he did for the Godfather's Pizza Convention, it's, I mean, it's, it's brilliant. Fun. I mean, he's a genius. But I that, mean, that's what got him laid with the secretaries, though. Of course it did. I'd imagine. He's extremely talented. Um, that and the, he didn't call it fucking them. He just called it extra toppings. I just want you to know that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just kind of one extra topping. Well, unless he wants to be really, you know, German about it. Um, but now you have Ben Carson, who is very much demonized by a lot of the black left. Demonized? And he is being demonized. There was a uh, there was a, a woman. She's a professor, and I'm forgetting her name, and I'm forgetting where she is a professor. Professor at. Black she, Santa. Titan, Satan. That's right. Really <laughs> demonizes people. Think about Professor it. Beelzebub. That's right. And Ben Carson is the devil to a lot of these people. She called him the C word. And it's a very offensive word that I will not say. Colored? No. Oh, I'm sorry. It's only got um, four letters in I'll it. Cunt. No. No. For a Republican, the C word is can't because they can do everything. I'm not saying the word because I'm not having a sound bite. But obviously, if somebody would have said that to somebody who was black on the left, they would have been out of a job. And this woman is, can you Google the story about this woman? It's, it's COO, and then you can figure oh, out the last one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she is uh, currently, you know, there's no, there's been no action C-O-O against her. what? Like chief operating officer? That's yes. not even an insult. Chief operating officer. Sure, it's not. Right. It's not the chief financial officer or the chief executive officer. It, it's it's a couple of steps down from that. But right. COO is not an insult, Ben, uh-huh. and you need to realize that. And yet, yet you're saying this woman is demonizing people. So maybe hey. you have a double standard. A lot of people would like to be COOs. I think Tim Cook. First gay president of Apple. I think at one point uh-huh. he was a COO, and he was right. proud of it. And he came out, I'm a COO, and I don't care what anybody says. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jeffrey. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. She calls him this word. He is. Com- she gets a total pass because people on the left don't believe that he is authentically black. Oh, that he's a coon. That's right. Oh, yeah, he's a coon. <laughs> he's a coony cunt, as a matter of fact. Is that a double C, C, and C? C and C, and C Ben Carson no, wait, factory? Now, wait, now I'm all confused. Is that a, a slur? That, I thought that was something white people used. What, coon? Yeah. Oh, we, we, come on. Black people, we say everything. Coon, jigaboo. Right. It depends on our mood. Look at that fucking coon over there. Look at that jigaboo motherfucker. Oh, yeah, Spike Lee, coonery buffoonery. Coonery, look at that big bubble lip asshole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, we got the curses for each other, man. But he is a coon. And when you say is, that, what does coon, the term right? really mean? Because what, you know, as a, uh, you know, the right is like, why why are they, why is there the double standard where you can make fun of Sarah Palin, call her every book, and, and you know, I mean, I'm not a Sarah Palin fan, but the left, they were throwing her under the bus. They said extremely sexist comments about her because they don't like her politics. And, you know, I mean, I think she's a beautiful woman, but let's be honest, she's not exactly uh, presidential material, you certainly not Sarah vice presidential Palin material. You a beautiful woman? She has sex with Glenn Rice in Michigan, yeah. So if <laughs> I have the same taste as Glenn Rice. I think I'm doing okay. Um, so, uh, but with Herman Cain, I mean, where? Why do you think Herman Cain uh, with uh, with Ben Carson? Carson. Right. I'm sorry. There's you know yeah they're, yeah uh, yeah, uh, yeah no anybody else you want to confuse? Uh, Osama Bo- Osama Obama. <laughs> Glad you got that out of the yeah, way. Yeah, Barack Obama. 
Something like that. You know, when you do it again, it'll look like a joke. Good. Right, right, yeah. right, right. Perfect. <laughs> so Ben Carson can just get it. He can just take it from all the from every single side. He can you know, get it. He's just getting it from every single every side. Ben Carson is getting it, and I do think there no, is a the double, double standard. No, but no, what, but what, what, when this woman calls him that word, what does she actually mean by it? Well, because I speak for all black people. You are nine million people, right? <laughs> Fifteen million people, right? Now. No, you know, I'm talking you. I'm talking for you to speak for I'm yourself. Every woman, every black person. I talk for all the people. Woman, I talk I'm, for all I'm the people. All these people. I talk so, for all Marcuses. I talk for every single person in this country and some Canadians. Ironically enough, most of them are black, but I still uh, speak Marcus. for all of them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> all right. What what she meant was that he is a coon. Um, what does it mean? <laughs> it means that he's a coon, for God's sake. It means that he signs on to the white man's perceptions of black people. Okay, and that what's he, the white man's perception of black people? Oh, boy, like you don't know. He, he, he fully accepts their point of view of race relations, and he's, mm. he accedes to their point of view of how black people should act in the United States or elsewhere. That, that's, that's what a coon means. Like Booker T. Booker T. Washington mm -hmm. historically would have been a coon. Um, they put the onus of 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 of, of the, and the responsibility for racism on black people on the victim. Mm. You know, so that's that's what a coon. Is. He, so he, basically, he, the idea of assimilation into uh, into white culture, white culture being no, the no, principal no. culture well, that well, people well, need to ascend to. Ascend to right. Well, I mean, this would be the perspective. Uh, this is the master race here. Yeah. The kissel, the kissel. Mm. Yeah, ha, ha, yeah. If they would have just had some guns, my grandfather <laughs> would have never had to go into the ghetto, and oh, everything would be totally yeah. fine. Yeah, well, now we're all out of show business. <laughs> now we're all out of show business. Yeah, kissel. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so, so, yeah, he's a, a assimilationist, I think. But right. But wouldn't but, you but argue that like now the, there's more, there's more uh, you know, when, when, when white people uh, assimilate to black culture, they, they call it co-opting black culture, and, uh, and, it's, and it's not viewed uh, well. You know, as soon as a white person starts using, uh, you know, current uh, popular slang words, that word is dead. And they got to come up with a new one very, very quickly. The Who's MTV the generation. The, the MTV generation. They, they, Don't they, hop on the they, they thing. They, they, cool, they, cool people. Cool people, right. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh, so, so white people are just sitting there, you know, you, you can't, uh, can't co-op black culture. Otherwise, that's racist in its own, uh, in its own way. Um, and then if you're black and you want to, uh, you know, if you do, uh, you know, live more as Rachel Dolezal, rep, uh, you know, uh, felt black on the inside. There's a lot of black people I know who, uh, you know, enjoy white culture very, very much. I well, hold it. First of all, whoa, slow down. I, I think. Um, all right, look, I, I'm I'm pretty well acculturated. I'm I'm the child of immigrants. I, I yeah, same here. I uh, I speak pretty good English. Um, you do. I I I know uh, I know plenty of white folks. From the Kissels to the Parks. Hey, <laughs> you know both white people? Uh -huh, yeah. Holy I Lord. I know a lot of white people. I get along pretty well with white people. <laughs> uh, I've, I've gone to a lot of institutions and been a member of a lot of organizations that have a lot of white people, a majority of white people. Mm -hmm. But yet, I do not necessarily accede to... Accede to uh, the conservative view of of, of race relationships and race relations right. in America. So that I mean, I think there's a certain amount of assimilation and a, and a certain amount of, and you can still afford yourself a certain amount of pride and uh, be somewhat aware of uh, the black ex historical experience in America. Right. 
So and, and Mr. Carson isn't that person. He's much angrier at black people than he is at white people. He's yeah. not angry at white people at all, but he's angry at black people. If you hear his stump speeches, mm-hmm. he basically says uh, that black people were holding him back when he was in in, in high school and going through school and, and all what's, this other shit. What's because the... they were making fun of him because he was smart. Right. And uh, I think if you go to any fucking school anywhere, they make fun of you because you're smart. It's not just black people that do that. But he makes a good point in a lot of these public schools. The idea of being smart, and you work in the public school system, this isn't necessarily going to help you advance whatsoever. And I would argue that it would be more difficult in a, uh, in a school that emphasizes... Um, you know, different different means of success other than going through and becoming a doctor or, you know, like a, a lot of these very white privileged schools that I didn't have the luxury of going to, but they emphasize that they have a different point of emphasis than schools maybe here in New York City. And being smart in some of those schools, that'll get you laid, that'll get you into the good university. The idea of um, what it is to be cool does sort of change, don't you think, between cultures? Well, between Black culture and white culture? Just between, you know, wealth cultures, uh, you know, religion, all those things. All right. Well, I went to a, a fairly good high school. Um, there were people who were very smart who were ostracized. Yeah. And this is it's a really, 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 really good high school. Or people, I think, you know, they went to the best colleges in the country. The people who went to that high school, but um, still there was a stigma against people who were beyond the curve. Mm. Yeah, I didn't have a good time. Right, as a smart uh, person. Uh, yeah, well, as right. you know, perceived to be intelligent and in a rural Texas town, you know, like this, right. as far removed as you could possibly get from probably from where Ben Carson went to high school. Mm-hmm. I don't know where he went to, but yeah, a small rural Texas town. It was still like yeah, being the smart kid was right. not fun. Yeah, and it, it, I think that's pretty much the truth. Through, throughout culture, so to, to give black people this special onus, like, you don't appreciate the smart people in your community. Right. That's, that's a bunch of shit. What do you think about the uh, the charter schools? Where they take, you know, obviously the argument against charter schools, uh, Bill de Blasio is trying to cl- uh, close a lot of them uh, here in New York City, but he uh, represents a larger liberal narrative and they want to close a lot of the charter schools because theoretically they, they take the smart kids out of the public schools um, because who then would would raise the GPA of the entire institution and allow them to maybe you know get more government funding and things like that, put them into a charter school, leaving the people who aren't maybe uh, so standardized test smart, which was not a, a proper measurement of intelligence, but it's what we're working with. What do you think about the idea of charter schools? Would you say get rid of them and keep the smart uh, kids in these schools where they might be demonized and not encouraged uh, to uh, really excel uh, in uh, in education? Well, I think you can probably count the number of highly successful charter schools on one hand. Most of them are failing. And uh, a lot of people might argue that the that charter schools were created as an end run around the teachers' union. Oh, okay. To keep people away from getting benefits because they weren't unionized and all this other shit. And uh, they, they weren't you know funded properly. Uh, a lot of people might not argue in favor of charter schools. Yeah, a lot of people don't. A yeah. lot of people don't, but a lot of people do. So, so there's there's both the people that do and the people that don't. 
We got right. both kinds. <laughs> of course, of course. So, yeah. <laughs> That's it. You laid it down there. Boom. So you say in this argument there are people for this argument and, and against and it. And some <laughs> against it. Wow, this is an amazing program. I think we they, can all learn from that. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I am very pro-charter school. More charter schools for everybody. Yeah. I would never have been able to go to a charter school, by the way, but it would have been nice to have well, the well, nerds out. Well, See? See? Get out of here. That's what I'm saying. You didn't like the nerds either. Of course I didn't. I got a 2.0. But no, if a black person doesn't like a nerd, then he's a horrible person, and the whole culture doesn't like nerds, and we're dragging ourselves back into the swamps in Africa. Check him out in the movie Dave. (laughs) I'll tell you, Jeffrey Joseph crushes (laughs) in the feature film Dave. I mean, really, I think that the biggest thing that that Ben Carson is is, as far as uh, going with the... Well, I mean, when you say the white man... Uh, I didn't say the white man. He did not man. say the white man. I will say that. Uh, but the uh, whole... Let's just call him Whitey or, or Willie Bobo. How, Ooh, <laughs> I like Willie Bobo. Willie Bobo? What's that from? Your eyes lit up like it was Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> I learned another racial slur. <laughs> Willie Bobo. Bobo. Willie Bobo. Man, wonderful. It's, it's from like old 1970s, 1960s black theater. Willie Bobo. was a white man. Huh. Oh, here come Willie Bobo. Hello. <laughs> Howdy, how are you? You would have been a good Willie Bobo. Who would have been man. a great Willie oh, Bobo? Man. Just trying to make the neighborhood safer. Get out of here. Willie Bobo. <laughs> good evening, gentlemen. Okay. I'll be on my way then. <laughs> Take this coon jigaboo Ben Carson with you. <laughs> okay, we're going to go have hamburgers. <laughs> right. But I guess Ben Carson's big thing, I guess, with the, um, uh, b- the police brutality movement, you know, the police, the, uh, Black, the Lives Black Lives Matter. Matter movement, is that people like Ben Carson and saying it's like, well, the real problem is black on black crime. You know, the real problem, like, that's the, what people like Ben Kushner are saying, like, within yeah, well, the black the, community. Of course, that would be ridiculous as well. I mean, uh, certainly uh, there's such, such a thing as white on white crime. Well, people and tend it's to. Huge! Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, well, that's just I mean, the. I mean, that's the, the thing is that, yeah, you know, people commit crimes against their own race well, yeah, more, most, li- most, most cri- likely it's crimes of proximity most crimes are primes, crimes of proximity most uh, rapes murders robbers mm-hmm. happen to people uh, that actually they know each other right and then of course people within a certain area so the other crimes of proximity so then to uh, you know stigmatize this as a, okay this special kind of crime and it's called black on black crime because it's the worst kind of crime because black people are doing it and they're doing it ugh, to black people so it's right. got to be especially disgusting right is there a presidential candidate right now with the do you uh, I mean the Black Lives Matter movement it's pretty big it's and it's uh, you know it's not going away. I mean they're gonna they're gonna have some power in this uh, election cycle. There's no doubt. I mean if they can uh, you know galvanize people to actually get out to the polls, you know pick up people in vans and really get out. You well, know well, well well you know when you say if they can get people out to the polls, I mean black people voted uh, in higher percentages than any other ethnic group in the last election. Well uh, yeah, so I mean so and, and, and in like 2008 we as well. Polls, yeah. but, at the, but at the end of the day, we're not going to have a black politician unless of course Ben Carson does get the nomination. Oh we'll go to uh, the polls then too. <laughs> oh, we go to the polls. <laughs> but there's, there's probably going to be a white person in office in the next cycle. I mean, there's just, you know. You seem kind of chuffed about that. I mean, <laughs> I don't care. That's the first time you smiled this episode. Mm, mm. <laughs> Still on top. Oh, man, that's going to really just. <laughs> you might as well have said coon earlier. You just got it out of your system. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> 
But do you think do you think the Black Lives Matter movement is going to actually be able to get enough support uh, for a single candidate and not be divided amongst themselves and really make a true difference in the uh, in the election? Because it's difficult to do. I mean, the evangelical base, you know, really formed, you know, it formed under uh, Carter, but really formed under Reagan, you know, in 80s. Uh, when they were when they were creating that platform, they were able to just get people out to the polls. It's not about mass support. It's about who's showing up on whatever day they're allowed to show up for the eight hour window that we can vote in this country. I think we need to have a week long voting. There's no doubt. And we need to completely reform um, the d- Tuesday is insane during the day. I mm-hmm. mean, the amount of people that literally are working, can't get to the polls for whatever reason. Anyway, do you think the movement actually has legs when it comes to seeing political success? Uh, at a uh, at a level of the presidency, and if they don't do that, do you think they can stick around and do what the Tea Party has done, which is get your Dave Bratz in there who beat Eric Cantor, get those small congressional uh, seats filled with people uh, that support their cause? No, I have no idea. You have no wanna, idea. I don't know. I mean, if there's a candidate who actually speaks to that movement, someone like and- Bernie Sanders, what do you think of him? Uh, Bernie's not going to make it, man. Bernie Sanders too nice. What do you? <laughs> He said he should run a deli or something. And I don't mean that because he's Jewish. I just mean because, you know, he's the kind of person you want to talk to. He's a right. you know, person. He's a mensch. He's a real person. He's a real human being. So and you he, can't run as a real human what, being. What is he going to be a human being to the Russians? Hey, hey, Putin, I understand you're in a tight spot. You got the Ukrainians on one end. You got the, you got the British on the other. It will work something out. Donald Trump is going to be great friends with Putin. <laughs> they're going to be hanging out <laughs> oh, nonstop. I could see those two hanging out. Oh, absolutely. Shirtless. Just, uh, no, Trump ain't showing them big pink titties. Mm. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, pinkies. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> That's for sure. So, uh, but do you think that? But you are active in the movement, though. I see the Facebook posts, which what? is what activism is nowadays. What? Well, 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 I, 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 well, you know, if horrible shit happens, I, I, I say this is some horrible shit, and there's a lot of horrible shit that's happening. Right. Um. So, uh, I, I would hope that that movement would have legs. I mean, it's, it, it, it's a legitimate, credible uh, movement where the. Fucking with a lot of people, man. The cops fucking with a lot of people. I'm right. I'm from a family that had a bunch of lawyers and lots of cops in it, and I, I respect cops and what they do. And there's not one cop relative that I have that wouldn't tell me that if a cop were to disrespect me, that I would should stand up for myself and be as articulate and responsible as possible in protecting my rights. What would they tell you to do? Um, I, I'm lucky in a sense because I, I had an aunt that uh, we lived in the same house. And she's a lawyer, and she would uh, get stopped a lot by the police in Boston, and she would always just recount, um, you know, what what the situation was, you know, why they stopped her and, and what she said in response to the stop. And she was always very clear. She was very articulate. She understood her rights completely, and she just kind of transmitted that to me where, where I just learned how to do that from her. Yeah. So just to be, you want to be... Verbally assertive, but not aggressive. Mm-hmm. You want to be clear, and you want to just tell them exactly what their rights are, and that you know what the fuck is going on. Right, 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 right. Now, that's not always going to work either. No, but it, it's it's the best defense in that. What do you scenario. think about? Uh, you know, I just watched a video because this is how I get all of my information. 
watched a video. These uh, two cops, they're all over schools now. Mm-hmm. You know, armed oh, armed officers, the badge, the whole thing, as if these uh, students are already in a detention center, Absolutely. as if they're already in prison. Yeah. And not uh, necessarily trained by the police force or by, <laughs> by much of anybody. Right. What do you think about, you know, when we do have these mass shootings, Ben Carson says rush, rush the attacker. Some people say arm the teachers. And a lot of these schools have put armed guards into their institutions. What's that, what do you think that uh, message is to the students when they go to school? Does it inhibit education and learning? Oh, man. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, I, I've seen kids pulled out of class and handcuffed, right, for uh, minor disciplinary violations. What kind of thing? Talk. I mean, I was so bad in school. I mean, I was suspended multiple times. My mother had to go cry in front of the principal, and that was the only reason I was allowed to stay there. Uh, what sort of things are the students doing? I used to, you know, just constantly be talking. Uh, you know, stand up and just start teaching the class. Sometimes, uh, you know, I was quite a loud child. And all this ends up with your mother crying. So, of course, I'm she's no, crying right now. I'm no psychologist, but I think this was all about making your mom cry, Ben. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's I what it was make... all about when you were a kid. Yeah. Oh, what can I do to get Ma down to school so she's gonna cry and she's gonna know that mm-hmm. she 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 needs to hurt because I haven't been taken care of. But thank I, you, Ben Kessel, haven't been taken care of. Thank you for your great comedy, 1993, Dave. She would laugh. <laughs> <laughs> she got to laugh. <laughs> she got to laugh and just bounced you on her knee as she was just laughing and laughing. Yeah, and laughing. twelve years. Old, but I was 300 pounds at the time. For Christ's sake, her knee is still shattered. She is two prosthetics after bouncing me on her knee for so long. So you think the students and they and they feel that they feel that there's these that education and the learning process is being halted. Well, well, I, I think they they feel something from the minute they go through a metal detector. Mm. I mean, I've seen kids uh, they go through the metal detector. They got to go through. You know, they have to take off everything that. Basically, they wore that they think is part of their identity. They have to right. shed that. They get humiliated going through that thing. They got to go through that thing again and again. You know, take off your hat, take off your jacket. Mm. Uh, this is every day, and it's it's, mm. it's 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 hard to see kids go through that much. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they have these school security guards, and they they're enforcing these minor rules like maybe you shouldn't wear a hat or you shouldn't wear a hoodie during class. Right. But they interrupt the teaching. You're in the middle of a class, and things are actually going well. And some dude just you know opens it. Laquan, Laquan. Laquan, take off the hat, man. Take off the hat. And he doesn't care if you're teaching. He doesn't right. care if there's something else happening. And who cares if the kid's wearing a hat? Exactly. So the entire process is stopped. I mean, it does room. I watch a lot of documentaries. There's a great documentary called Toe Tag Parole. That was the last one I Toe I Tag Parole? It's about people who get life without parole, which is just a, it is a death sentence, and it's a very prolonged death sentence. And a lot of these people commit these crimes at 14, 15 years old. And as men, we know, I mean, I'm a totally different person than I was when I was 14 yeah. years old. I mean, I was dancing naked on park benches trying to get my friends to laugh. You know? Your mentation yeah. is probably the same, though. My what? Nothing. I don't know what that word means. <laughs> Mentation? <laughs> Who knows? Sounds like a... Anyway. Um, Sounds like a coon word? Is that what you were going to say? Beth? No! Like a word worth a coon Mental activity. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. It's usually used in conjunction with dogs. Isn't that racist? <laughs> Isn't that racist, Mr. Joseph? Very interesting. Very interesting. You know, the hundreds of thousands of people that listen to this show would not all agree with you. No, some do, some don't. I'm just busting you both. No, of You're course you are. You're a very funny guy. Um, so, but what would be one thing? Would you say get rid of these metal detectors in schools? Oh man, you, you know it's it's such a you can't say. How do you that toe the line between either. safety and education? 
boy, I I wish I had the answer. How do you have the answer? How does anybody have the answer to that? I mean, you know, we live in this gun culture where the people, it's just so fucking scary. You don't want to say get rid of metal detectors, but you do want to find a better feeling way of having any kind of security procedure happen mm-hmm. than, than what's happening right now. Uh it's it's just rough, man. It's just rough. By the time the kid gets into the fucking school, he's he's already alienated. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. It's because you know you know we know how bad it is to go through an air, air, airplane mm-hmm. line. Hate it. So you got to do that every morning at like seven o'clock in the morning, which is too early for most kids to really, um, to to really uh, for their brains to fully function. I mean, this is a scientific fact. Right. So they have to go through that, and then then they have to go into class, and it's it's difficult, man. Yeah, and again, I went to a school where there was none of that kind of thing. And you thought the? I mean, I mean, again, you know, we we are pre and post Columbine. You know, yeah. uh, I went to high school when there were gu- there were guns in the trucks out in the guns parking in the lot. trucks. People would bring guns to their lockers. It was hunting season. I mean, this was just something you did, and it entirely changed after Columbine. And I suppose, uh, you know, that has uh, Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold. Uh, the travesty You're and not the, supposed the, to say their names. Yeah. <laughs> You're not supposed to give them credit for the highest things that they did. The atrocity that occurred on that day. Had, Name had, the victims had, now, Ben. Name all the victims. <laughs> give them the uh, same credit. Uh, there was one named Jerry. <laughs> there, was, uh, there was a Christian girl who wasn't actually a Christian with a made-up story. Um, uh, but, you know, that is a good point, though. Yeah, you know, we should always name the victims and not these, uh, not these monsters. But their actions are resonating to this day. Yes. And it's very sad. And it played in, and, you know, we'll wrap it up here. But, I, I, you know, thinking about uh, what happened at Columbine, we think about it all the time. The, the media totally screwed us. That day, the reason that we have, one of the reasons we have so much gun violence to this day, this mercer of the world, is because they painted Dylan and Eric to be victims, to be bullied. They sympathized with them the first few days of coverage after Columbine. They couldn't rationalize the idea that humans are just that terrible. That white and humans are that, that terrible. That white humans, yeah. that's very, very true. I mean, the reason, the fact that it happened in a small town in Colorado certainly gave it more press uh, because it wasn't black-on-black crime in Chicago, you know. Right, right. Um, and when the media came out with that narrative of almost treating them like what they did with Sharnov, putting them on the cover of Rolling Stone, they pretty much put Eric and Dylan on the cover of Rolling Stone in their own right. And that narrative is persisting today. So these people who take up arms and go shoot up random people, they're still playing that exact same card. And they're like, with any luck, the media is going to have a sympathy story for me. And a lot of times the media does. And that's why the mental health debate irks me in a lot of ways because a lot of these people aren't crazy a lot of these people are exceptionally sane and they know exactly what they're doing and to scapegoat it into mental health i think is uh it does a disservice to the culture that we're living in where we just glorify people the rogue individuals who go in and shoot up random schools and uh and movie theaters and anywhere else that people congregate you know yeah and, e- and even infamy is glorification right yeah and that, that's yeah, I, I can't disagree with you. I'd like to, because I, you know, I'd like to argue with you. But I'm not. I mean, I know. you. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, there is. There is. That's just the way it is. Yeah. Um, all right. So thank you so much for being here, Ben Carson. Oh, I'm sorry. That's, uh, that is Jeffrey. Jeffrey Joseph. Um, let's see. Anything you want to plug? I have nothing. 
You have nothing. You have to have something. Have You're nothing. so sad. Every nothing. year that I've known you, you've gotten sadder and sadder and sadder. When I met Jeff, They've he was coming back to comedy. He took a 10 year hiatus. He's like, I'm back to comedy. This was like five years ago, and now you're just a broken shell of a man. I was just in the bathroom in the creek in the cave bathroom. They have all these pictures on the wall, and I look at this picture, and it's me, Kevin Barnett, Michael Che, Jermaine Fowler, and the Lucas Brothers. They're all famous. Um, all right. Thank you so much, Naomi West, for being on the show. Thank you so much, Jeffrey. You can find Jeffrey Joseph on Twitter. At Jeffrey Joseph, A.T. Jeffrey Joseph. Okay. And, of course, Marcus Parks is at Marcus Parks. I am at Ben Kissel. Check out the Facebook page, Abling and the Top Hat. Thanks so much for supporting all the shows. Love you guys. Love you, too. Uh, last podcast on the left, Round Table of Gentlemen. Check them out. And, uh, again, Rand Paul is a big listener of Cave Comedy Radio, <laughs> so we do want to get him into the White House solely for that reason. Lincoln Bedroom, we're coming. We're going to come, and Marcus and I, we will sleep uh, head to toesies, <laughs> uh, which will be very exciting. I'm going to talk to Lincoln. Mm, well, he is dead, and if you see him, run. He's in the ghost. He is, yes. He is a ghost. Yeah, that's why I said run. <laughs> All right, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com.